And God bless you today. It's always a joy to have you here. And your thousand dollars cannot reproduce until it enters into a covenant. Where Baptist Church will picket their funeral. We will remind the living that you can still repent and obey. Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face. -face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. We thank the true and living God for allowing us to be part of this, his ministry. We just made an attempt to uh, stream, and we had some problems. Uh, we're just going to proceed through the show. No matter what happens, we'll get it on the can. We'll put it up in the archives. So let's move forward. The social media campaign has begun by the LDS Church. They announced that they were going to do something in that area. Well, they have. The first thing that we've seen, really, in a major way, has been the prophet, his two counselors, and 12 apostles have gotten a Facebook page. Yes. Uh, uh, here's a shot of them. You can join their page and uh, whatever it is. Under this shot, it reads. And you can move your cursor over each of their heads, and it brings up their page individually pretty fancy, and it says, members of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, the leadership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, have gone social. And there's an exclamation point. It's so Facebook-y. Exclamation point. Um, connect with them on Facebook and see inspiring messages, talks, articles, and videos from them. Uh, I would just said a minute ago, the best thing about this uh, page are the comments from the LDS who are on there. Um, they they so glad to see our prophet out here uh, reaching to the masses. It's such a blessing to be able to have our one of the 12 apostles to be able to interact with people here online. They're not interacting with them online. But anyway, somebody even wrote, an adult LDS woman, go Q12, uh, you the best, exclamation point. So it gets me wondering, is this right? Is this appropriate for an apostle? The point I make is John the Baptist, Jesus said, there is no man born of woman who is greater. But he said the least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than John. But talking about prophets, he talked about John the Baptist, none's greater. Out there in the desert, hair, hairy camel's hair and leather girdle and beard and honey and grasshoppers in his beard and just calling everybody out. Would he have a Facebook page? Would the 12 apostles, Peter, James, John, would they have Facebook pages if they're walking around today? I don't know. Maybe you think they would. Maybe you think that's just the coolest thing, but I can't answer it. But call us and you can tell us what you think. All right, listen, I said we've spent a lot of time and energy on this book that I have in my hands. It's called Where Mormonism Meets Biblical Christianity Face-to-Face. -face. It's 619 pages long. It covers the, the main topics of Mormonism and... Uh, here are some graphics really quickly uh, that we're going to scroll through from people on Amazon who have rated the book without solicitation. Honestly, I stand before you and God. These comments were not solicited. We, they just came up. I happened to look the other day and I printed them and these are what they say. You ready? Let's see if the graphic can come up. First one is from Joy Blanton. A must for your library, she says. 
a great read. We're going to move quick, you guys. A great read from Allison Carnahan. Awesome book from Husky South. A formidable pillar of great importance from, uh, from King Benjamin, who is an LDS reader here in Salt Lake City. Thank you, King Benjamin. That was very nice. Well done from L.A. Trujures. Insightful, relevant, detailed from Kevin at MightyBind.com. A book that needs, that should, a book which needed to be written from Stephanie and amazing, says Andrew LeBlanc. This is the most comprehensive, exhaustive, every if you can think of book on the Mormon Christian debate that's available. Okay, you got that, but here's the thing. From all those great quotes, every one of them gave a five star, and I know that's like, oh, they're obviously on your side, probably true, but nevertheless, they all gave it the five star, but the books don't sell at all. None of them. We're, we sit, we're sitting, they're in storage. Uh, and as long as Mormonism continues to promote itself as Christian, the book remains fairly timeless and should be in every Christian and LDS home who are interested in it, but they're sitting in storage. Why? Because I have made a mistake. And before I explain it, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we uh, seek you at this time, especially as we talk about the subject tonight, that uh, your truths will be known and that we can move on with whatever you have in store. We love you, Lord. We praise you and thank you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Two days ago, I got a call from a man asking if I could sit down and meet with him. He and his wife have been longtime unconditional supporters of campus and Aletheia Ministries. He's older than me, uh, extremely intelligent. Uh, and he uh, is a, um, a very, has a very successful company that he started here in Utah. Well, prior to meeting with him uh, in the evening, I had three consecutive conversations with three different Christian peoples or couples over the course of the day. The first was with a man who uh, we talked about last week who was saved in the Toronto Blessing Movement. And that was where they were barking in the spirit and, and all that stuff. And he was saved in that. And in, that, in our conversation over the phone, he let me know that his attendance at church was going to be no longer. And it was, it's because, he says, I'm being too hard on Christianity. Um, uh, I received this with uh, love. Bid him Godspeed. He's a good man. He's a good Christian man. And, you know, we have our differences. The second conversation was with a guy I'd never met. And it was in a fast food restaurant up in uh, Kaysville. And while we sat there and talked about eschatology, he, he says this line, this sentence. He said, you know, Jesus is on the throne. This is a paraphrase. He is our king. If he is not on the throne in a believer's life, that person has some or all of themselves on the throne in his place. He said, that's called idolatry. So we overcome ourselves. Jesus is on the throne completely, and we listen and follow and obey him and his rules. And if he's not completely on the throne, this guy said, you know, that we put ourselves on there somehow, and that's called idolatry. And so as he said those words, you know, it, it struck a nerve. It wasn't even part of the conversation, really. So later in the evening, as I'm driving to meet with this, this man who has been with us forever, uh, I get a telephone call, and it's from some people in Michigan who used to live here years ago. And the conversation was based in catching up. What are you doing? Where are you living? How are things going? And then out of the blue, his wife says on the phone, you know, Sean, when I was a little girl, I would walk into Sunday school almost every week, 
and we would be asked by our teacher, is Jesus sitting on the throne in your life? And again, twice, same day, I have this imagery given to me, and again, it stopped me in the tracks of my mind, and I knew that God was speaking, and he was saying something to me that I needed to listen to, but I really didn't know what it meant. So I reflected on the words over and over again as the night progressed. In the meanwhile, I met with this faithful supporter. We sat down, and in essence, he articulated uh, with keen insight that I have gotten sidetracked. And uh, I've gotten off course. Now, since being taken off TV 20, I have had four pastors call me with warnings. Two, kindly. One, um, confrontationally. And one, so politically motivated, it would make you puke. And since that time, we've received numerous emails from you, viewers, people who care about the ministry, gently trying to persuade me that I'm off course with what we're doing toward evangelical Christianity. But I didn't listen to them at all. And here's why. I am not wrong in my assessment of their repugnant practices. I ardently maintain that the charade of uh, public faith healings and barking in the spirit and fog machine worship and hyper-Calvinist thought, and churches not teaching the word, and all that stuff have become almost predatory to sheep trying to seek God. Just yesterday, we received an email from someone who's come out of Mormonism and is attending one of the large, opulent, predatory churches here in Utah, and it says, Sean, I am a Christian and have been attending a local Christian church in Utah for years. I won't name it. I am married to what I can only describe as a Christian Mormon. She no longer wears the garments and she has attended our church with me for a couple of years. And it's starting to seem like the closer she is moving toward Christianity, the further our church is moving away from it, she says, he says. Recently, the pastor stated that tithing should be paid at a rate of 10% because it's biblical. I have a hard time with what I feel is balancing back and forth between new and old. I feel it's better to give a dollar in love than be guilted or forced into giving 10. In fact, two weeks ago, I then received a piece of mail from our church regarding what they called the law of tithing. Additionally, there seems to be a big push for us to make a commitment to that specific church alone. Over the past couple months, the emphasis seems to be moving from Christ to everything in the name of this church. I have been silent about my concerns with both the church and my wife. I stopped attending for about six weeks wondering uh, if this was just me. We returned past Sunday to find teenagers on stage during the sermon playing Minute to Win It, a part of the sermon. The part that kills me is my wife turned to me and said, this isn't church. The hour-long sermon was filled with the pastor's personal analogies and funny stories, and uh, two Bible passages were read over the hour. Here is the issue. As I try to lead my wife further from Mormonism and closer to Christ, my own home church seems to be trying to model themselves after Mormonism itself. This started after they built a brand new building. It's like it, we are Mormon all over again. In light of emails like this, 
that's an end quote, and seeing things for myself for the first time in years when we visited churches in December, uh, I found myself greatly frustrated and believed something needed to be done. Here is where I messed up and sinned, sinned, so to speak, because I missed the mark, the mark that God has placed before our ministry. And I've missed the mark, and that's the definition of sin. By pursuing my blind fury at, which I don't have the right to have, uh, I find myself now not one bit better than Christians who in blind fury at the world's practices go out in Jesus' names and fight it in the street. I'm no different than them. I've become nothing different than they have become. I rationalized my responses. I've justified my attitude. I did not listen to good warning from people or suggestions. And worst of all, I did it all in the name of the king. Um, the intent was right. My assessment, I believe, is correct. But doing something the way I've done it is absolutely wrong. And for this, I humbly and with a broken spirit repent to the audience here, uh, to our volunteers and staff, to my family, to the churches in Utah, to every pastor in Utah that I've offended, and to all of our viewers and supporters. Uh, I publicly confess that I have missed the mark in what God has wanted me to do, and I ask your forgiveness. I ask God to forgive me for thinking that this was my battle and thinking that I needed to go after everything I found so distasteful in our church visits in December and forgetting that he is fully present uh, on his throne and he is fully overseeing everything that goes on in the churches where believers are, where there is wheat and tares. And that is his call. That is his job and that is his duty. I repent for allowing myself to arrogantly believe he called me to go after these churches when he's in full control of them in the first place. And as my self-appointed mentor pointed out, I have a different call on my life, uh, one that he says uh, few are prepared to uh, accomplish. And if this ministry is gonna remain effective and truly sustainable, uh, I had better think about getting back to the heart of the matter for which I was prepared. Uh, helping people who are LDS or who are considering becoming Mormon consider the historical and doctrinal facts about their faith and help them receive what I believe is the only viable solution to true spiritual freedom, and that is an unfettered, uh, unencumbered, direct relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. So I am sorry, and I apologize to the owners and managers of TV20. I apologize to the Christian denominations here in Utah of every sort, who claim Christ Jesus, and uh, I apologize for the pastors that I've insulted. I apologize to the tireless volunteers, Derek and Danita, Merle, Kathy, Maggie, Seth, Linda, Wendy, and all of you uh, who come as audience members here and who give your support. Um, the thing that blows my mind is the unconditional love that these people and that you have um, exhibited 
in the face of my seven month wandering of going after him. You may agree with many of the points we were talking about, but your support and your unconditional love and not just beating me to death like many have over doing it has really impressed me. It's taught me how to have long suffering and let people have a long leash and make the mistakes they're gonna make and I stand by as their brother uh, and, and I wait for them to come around rather than trying to uh, corral them and bring them back in on my own power. Uh, I have failed those of you who have relied on me to stay the course the king assigned me. Please forgive me. Know from this point forward, whether God decides to bless the ministry with fruit or television exposure or future financial sustainability, that uh, I will keep rooted and grounded where he has planted me and will humbly refrain from placing the focus of this ministry on his church, that's his, that's his domain, and, but instead we'll focus our energies on a church that is not his, and that is Mormonism. So with that, let's open up the phone lines. We'll take any that might come in. We have Keith in Columbia, um, somewhere, and we have Bob from Provo, Utah. Uh, the phone number is 801-590-8413. I'm not sure how we're gonna proceed with this uh, beginning next week, but we're gonna go forward and we're gonna get back on track. They're getting stronger and uh, some, something needs to be done with that. That I do know. All right, so let's go uh, phone lines. We're going to Bob in Provo, Utah. Bob, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, I'm right here. Hello, Bob. Yeah, I called because I've been born again for 35 years. I've never been LDS and I've been with you from the beginning and I've got all your you know, internet to catch up on anything I missed. So, well, I really appreciate that, Bob. Yeah, I just want to tell you, I, I agree with you on the uh, Christian churches, too, because I watch them on television, and there's some I will not watch, of course, you know, the, the main ones. So. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, you know, and you, you can see it. If you read your Bible, you can see it, and you know, and, uh, but uh, it is his church, and he told us. Yeah, but I would like to just send my money to him and then have all this prosperity. I can't believe that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to get away from this. <laughs> I've created a monster. No, yeah, I know. Isn't it funny what they promise? Yeah, the, uh, the coin that Jesus had, you know, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and unto God which is God's and, and unto these turkeys uh, nothing. <laughs> 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 hey, I really appreciate your, uh, your faithful viewership and support, Bob. God bless you, my friend. Yeah, I had to pick you up on streaming because uh, I don't get it on Comcast here, but you're great. Keep uh, it up. All right, thanks. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. Bye-bye. I'm a great ass. You know, I, this has been really, uh, it's been humbling. I, I, we live and learn. Unfortunately, I learn in front of a camera. And people get to see these things. But uh, thank you for your, your patience. We're going to Keith in Columbia. Mo, I don't know what that is. Missouri? He hung up. We're going to Corey in Fremont, California. Corey, you're on Heart of the Matter. Corey? Oh, hey. Um, I just uh, found out your, found out about your show about uh, a couple of days ago. And I'm actually kind of nervous right now. I've never been on a talk show, but... <laughs> Um, can you explain to me, like, 
you know, like killing the spirit when they talk about killing the spirit, you know, in Mormonism. Oh, quenching the spirit? Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting topic because Latter-day Saints believe, really, if you get into it, they believe that um, you need to live a very, very clean, holy, perfect life in order to be worthy of the Holy Spirit. They even say in places that the cleanliness of your body determines whether the Holy Spirit will, be, will visit in full force or not. Uh, um, and what it is and how it dif differs from Christianity is we are worthy of the Holy Spirit as Christians because of Jesus' shed blood. And that is what does it. So the LDS, they place the onus for having the Spirit with them on external factors. And yeah, they don't want you to sin and they don't want you to do those things, but it's externally driven and you have to be a worthy vessel in order to have it. Now, the Bible does talk about us. Is it quenching? I think the King James says us quenching the Spirit. And that can mean that we can insult the, the Holy Spirit. And maybe the Holy Spirit will uh, pull away, not completely, but will pull and help us wonder what's going on. And I've experienced that recently. So uh, we can quench the spirit at times, but nevertheless, the, the LDS have a completely different view of it. Does that help? Yeah. Uh, actually, my mom is Mormon. She's been Mormon for like a couple years. Yeah. And then uh, she says, we'll pray about the church and uh, eventually you'll feel the spirit, you know, like it'll touch you and then you'll eventually just join into it. And so did you? Uh, no. Yeah. It's a, it's a really bottom line, Corey, and, I, and it's a carnival trick. They tell, you, yeah. they tell you to pray about the church. Never does God tell people in the Bible, pray about the truth, pray about the church. Never. Yeah. So I, have, a, I have prayed and stuff, and uh, I do feel like peaceful in the church sometimes, but uh, I feel that, like, uh, I, could, I don't know, it doesn't say in the Bible that you could be tricked, like, uh, sure. The feeling things is that right or no? Yeah, feelings are completely deceptive. You know, uh, they can yeah. lead you completely astray depending on your mood, your hormones, what you've eaten, uh, all kinds of things. You can have feelings. The ambient music, all of that stuff produces feelings. But that is not what we base our faith upon. We base our faith not on feelings but on fact. Yeah. Well, does that help you, my friend? Yeah, man. Uh, I was just, you know, researching. I found your website online, and there's a lot of useful information and videos. I really like your style too. Well, it is. Well, <laughs> thanks, Corey. Uh, I really uh, yeah. appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for watching. Uh, okay, bye bye. We're gonna go to um, Keith. We're gonna try Keith again in Columbia, Missouri. Keith, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, great to talk to you. Um, uh, I had a couple of missionaries at my house tonight. Um, I have been dealing with different ones for a few years now, and I try to convert them, and they try to convert me. Uh, but tonight, the guy asked me a question and, about the uh, three levels of heaven. I mentioned to him how that the Bible speaks of one heaven, one hell. And he led me to Second uh, Corinthians 12.2. Uh, First Corinthians 12.2, but let me get it out. You want to read it? Yes, sir. I can read it to you right now. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in body I cannot tell or whether out of body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up 
in the third heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is what this is what Joseph was great at. Pulling out obscure passages and assigning them meaning. And what he would uh, say or what the missionaries would teach is that he, he understood what that was referring to. And so we get the uh, definition through the Mormons and therefore it's true. But what they don't tell you is the Jews saw the heavens in different layers. And they, they had as many as nine in some of their writings, nine heaven layers. And they would sometimes break it up as just the terrestrial level and then the atmospheric level where the birds fly and then the outer space level where the moon sits. That would be a third heaven or where God is. So that third heaven is really, if you're gonna examine what the meaning of that is, is heaven. That's where God lives in that passage. He was caught up with God. So uh, just so I have, I'm gonna see him again next Tuesday. So I tell them that third heaven is where God is and yeah. the second heaven would be like the moon and the stars? No, the second heaven, uh, it, it, well, see, it, this is how you gotta look at it. The Hebrews in different times and places would assign different levels of heaven. They had it sometimes as, as many as nine levels, all right? And so, the, and in this case, this is one where they were assigning it three levels, where it was terrestrial, it was where the birds fly, that's how they would describe that second level, and the third was everything in outer space, which would be heaven where God dwells. So you have to preface telling them, look, this is how the Jews defined the, uh, the way they saw things. And they would say there are this many heavens. And Paul is referring to the third heaven or where God dwells in outer space. Does that help? That helps a lot. Thank you. And thank you for all you do, man. Love you. Love your show. Love you, Keith. Thanks for watching, man. God bless. God bless you. I'm going to take this call. Then we're going to go to Chantel and Charles in Austin, Texas. Cassidy McCraney, my daughter, is calling from Huntington Beach, California. Cassidy McCraney, what are you doing? <laughs> I just wanted to call and say I'm proud of you. Thanks, babe. I appreciate uh, it. I'm just grateful about parents that walk by faith. Well, uh, thanks, honey. I, you know, you know what I'm like. like I, I'm a bull and something gets in my way and I'm ticked, you know, it takes a lot to, uh, tone me down, and I'm really grateful for your long suffering with a father like me, and uh, and for everybody else who is, you know, they just go along. Okay, Sean's in a mood. We'll just let him destroy everything around us for a while, and but we're gonna stay here until he comes back. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. And I love I'm not you so much. I agree with your choice. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of church I can go to in California where I feel fed. Really? But. but you know, I, I, I know you have a relationship with God and I'm not going to question, you're not going to question it, you know? Well, I appreciate you telling me that you don't agree with the choice. I do. I respect <laughs> it. Uh, but, Dad, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, this is the first I've heard of it. Oh, it is? Everybody who's listening. Yeah, I didn't know that this was coming. Everybody else in the but family I, knew for weeks. Yeah. Last to know, of course. I'm teasing you, middle child syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I love anyway, you, girl. I'm proud of you, Dad. Thanks. Pr proud of you. Bye. 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 That was nice. All right, we're going to go to Charles in Austin, Texas. Charles, on line four, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. Listen, man, I just wanted to call and give you some encouragement. I, uh, I've been with you every step of the way when you wanted to do the evangelical thing, and I've been with you on every single one of your critiques. They're spot on. 
but I, I think it's really amazing that you've, you know, that you've got such a humble spirit that you'll accept, you know, the fact that it's maybe not your calling. Maybe it's not Heart of the Matter's calling to address that. Thanks, but um, I don't know. I, I think that it, I think that maybe the episodes that you've done already are going to be um, really useful. And I, I remember when you first started doing it, it had a heart for, you know, the Mormons coming out and, you know, the fact that you pick on Mormonism, you know, as it were, yeah. um, you know, pretty much exclusively. But I just wanted to say that I, I think that you've done a really good thing, in spite of the fact that the ministry has seen some barriers since then. And, you know, I hope that you guys can work it out to get back on TV in Utah. But uh, I just, I think that, you know, I don't necessarily know that this has been uh, too far off the path. I think that there's some good that you did. Hey, Charles, it means the world to me uh, to hear that from you because you've, you've stuck with us and I appreciate it. And I don't want it to turn into, you know, thank you, everybody, thank you. But really, you know, it does matter that you've been willing to listen and at least hear my heart out on it and have patience. And, uh, you know, we all, if I can't change my, my, my course and repent, uh, you know, we're in big trouble. So uh, I, I, I really appreciate it, my friend. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I, I grew up um, Episcopal. And so, you know, the whole evangelical thing has always kind of been out of my wheelhouse. But I recently went to a mega church uh, with a friend of mine in Austin, and uh, I saw out everything. I saw everything you were talking about. They opened up at the service with a Led Zeppelin medley. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm with you 100%, and I think it's really good that, you sh that you've shown, you know, the, your Mormon audience that, you know, what you're really talking about is Scripture. You're not hating, you know, it's not about, you know, us versus them. It's just getting to the heart of the matter. Right. I think that's really important. Thanks, One my more brother. thing, I, 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 was reading, I was reading the other day, and I think that Colossians 2 was written just for the LDS. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> All right, my brother. Thanks for watching, Charles. Look forward to meeting you. Yeah, man. See you later. Talk to you. Bye-bye. We're going to Chantel on line one. Chantelle. Hi, Sean. Hello. Um, I just wanted to tell you thank you so much for your shining example of humility and what it means to really listen to the Lord, even if it hurts and even if we have to change the direction we're going. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you, my sister. Love you. I love you, too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, I'm not a shining example. I'm a, I am a jackass. I try to tell you. You guys are the example for just hanging in and just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, we just praise God, don't we? We are so grateful that we are in the hands of a God who doesn't strike us dead when we make buffoons of ourselves. And he has patience, and he loves us, and he has long suffering, all those descriptions in 1 Corinthians 13 of love. I mean, that is him, and he is constantly doing it. And so I thank you, and let's move on. Let's get on to the, the topics at hand. Nancy in Salt Lake City, line two. Nancy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Nancy? This is not Nancy. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I only do that on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Kev from Russellville, Alabama? You got it. It is. How you doing, my friend? Listen, Sean, I love you. I just wanted to call and uh, what you what you've done tonight's very respectful. It's uh uh but know this. Uh maybe this uh, should I ask you this? 
Sure. Do you can do you consider Catholicism the church? Catholicism? Yes. I consider many Catholics part of the body. Okay, part of the body. Yeah. And would you say the same word of faith? Many or many or believe prosperity? Many believers in the word of faith, many believers in the prosperity movement, many people who, wherever they are, I believe that in them we find the body constructed. Very good. Listen, I love you, uh, and I love what you have done, because some attention does need to be given to the evangelical church. Yeah. But, and I... If you read my letter in entirety, you might see uh, a little bit more of my point. I do believe that this is your calling, however. Yeah. But um, if I may ask a personal question. Yeah. Uh, this is a heartfelt desire to change back your direction. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I could. Sorry. Yes, Kev, I, I couldn't wait to write the show to get it off my chest. I've been fighting, I've been resisting. It hasn't been overwhelming, like I'm doing the wrong thing, but there's been a nagging thing that's been with me since I started. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was from being kicked off of television and I was mad about it or I was mad at the people who were behind that. I wasn't sure, so I, I pursued believing I was on the right course, and I wasn't. But so I'm, I, I have a heartfelt love for the LDS, which is why I started out on it in the first place against the evangelicals to say, look, why are we yanking them out if they're going to come to your churches and listen to Led Zeppelin in the, in the introduction, you know? But that's God's deal. We're going to get back to the formula of calling people with truth and love getting them to understand Jesus through a real personal relationship and letting the Lord King God handle them in their walk. And he does a really good job of it. He absolutely does. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've always said he's not too dumb to handle his own. Amen. That's uh, a good line. You know, uh, Sean, I wish you the best and I will continue to support and watch. And, uh, uh, you know, and focus your ministry where you feel led, but know that you are part of the church and that you do have uh, your opinion and your say as well. I won't lose it entirely, Kev. It'll come out. I'm just not going to make it our focus. But I love you, Sean. Love you too, my brother. Thank you. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. We're going to try Nancy again in Salt Lake, then Gene in Danbury, Connecticut, then Artie in Independence, Missouri. Nancy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Nancy? This isn't Nancy. Nancy? Okay, we're going to go to Artie in Independence, Missouri. Artie, you're on Heart of the Matter. Artie. Hi. Artie? Hello, Sean. Artie. Yes. This is Artie. Hi. And I just want to call in and uh, just give you my support. Um, listening to you earlier and hearing how you just 
poured your heart out, repenting. It was just, it was really touching, okay? I know that your, your ministry is just blessed by the Lord. You have truly, truly helped people to actually become better witnesses of their own loved ones that are in Mormonism. And I just thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, Artie. Thanks for watching and calling. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Love you bye -bye. too. Bye-bye. We're going to go to Gene in Danbury, Connecticut. Gene. Hi, Gene. Hey, Sean. <laughs> spoke to you last Tuesday, but I wanted to say uh, I admire your your humbleness, and i never seen anybody uh, you know, show that humility in, uh, in the TV, especially you know, a whole bunch of people listening to you. But one of the things I wanted to say is that um you know I, I you know some people might be saying that you were attacking the church i don't think you're attacking the church you're attacking false doctrines that has been you know crept in the church and uh, i learned a lot listening to you you know with including with the tithing and several of the false doctrines and i always wonder about the other things you know i grew up in a pentecostal church and i got saved at the age 22 huh. and uh, ever since i've been wondering about you know different things and and you brought a lot of good uh uh, explanations to those things, you know, and, and Jeff and I will often have a talk over here. We we'll discuss these things. A lot of people does see as an attack to the church, but we've been seeing it's like it's not. You know, these things they need to be worked on, and you, you know, you, God, we're using it for that. And like you said, you know, just because you're going back to Mormonism doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, go, you know, and address these little things. Yeah, I'll tap, I'll tap into them, Gene. I really appreciate you guys watching. Maybe it's you guys that's called to do it. Maybe you guys. Well, we, <laughs> you know, that's interesting because we, we did uh, say some things and immediately people thought we we're attacking the church and we're like, let's, let's go back to the scripture. What does the scripture say? What does the book of the Acts show how church is supposed to be done? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's like people got so caught on to the tradition yeah. that they, 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 they automatically think you're like trying to destroy it. No, we're trying to bring the body back together. Amen. Yeah. Amen. But. Yeah, I really admire your humbleness, and uh, keep up the good work, and I love you. Love you, too. I was actually going to send you a, an email. I will be sending you. I look forward to reading it, Gene. Love you, too. Take care. And thanks. Bye-bye. And, you know, when we say I love you, I mean it. I really do. I do mean it. When I say I love you, I mean what I, what I say in that. And uh, so just understand that. And don't get all weird on me. I just mean it in the right way. You guys are so evil. Just kidding. Uh, Nancy, we're going to try you one more time. I don't think you exist. Nancy in Salt Lake City. Nancy? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am fine. I just uh, also called to give you some support. Uh, what I said, what I wanted to say has been covered by everyone, but I... Um, came out of the LDS church and I have attended some of those evangelical churches that you described and and it really blew my mind and just because God's grace you know he sort of guided me and it took me a long time to find a church that preaches the word and worships the yeah. Lord yeah um, at, at any rate I just uh, really um, have to respect your ability or your uh, desire to follow the Lord and, and just to publicly repent of Whatever it is, it doesn't matter whether it's this show or, or any other. I've heard you say it numerous times, and, and I respect that because I've been to churches where pastors have made grievous um, 
ooh, things that were just, I thought, horrible, and they never publicly repent. And so I just respect you for it. I support you, whether it's evangelical Christianity or whatever it is you want to do, because I, I know your heart to serve the Lord, and you do truly love people. So I just want to thank you and give you some more encouragement, and just uh, God bless you. Thanks so much, Nancy. God bless you. Love you. Okay, see you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Listen, uh, what, how is the time? Do we know? Oh. We have, uh, hey, I love the show. I got some questions. This is from Henry out of California. A lot of atheists claim that Christianity is manipulative, all about money, power, legalism, and all those things that you claimed were in Mormonism. I'm a Christian, and I'm wondering, how do we know our system is different from the Mormons? It's really quite a good question. How can you tell? By what measurement, what tool do you use to see if your church is any different than a church like the Mormon church? We've built out this studio here, and a guy came from the city measuring everything under the sun to see if it was in code. It made me gain 40 pounds. And anyway, he took out a tape measure, and on the tape measure, he had little words written on certain measurements. And he would say, okay, and then uh, this, at this length, this is how high the rail needs to be from the floor in the bathroom. And he'd put it down, and then he'd see. Well, what that is, is that's called canon. That's, that's how you measure what is true. It, that's, that's what canon means in the Latin, I think, in how we measure truth. That's why we call this canon, the canon of scripture. It's a canonization of scripture. So we open it and we have words here that say, this is, this is what this means. In the Old Testament is you're not supposed to travel more than this on the Sabbath day, or you're supposed to pay 10% of your increase here in tithing, Old Testament, or you're supposed to do this or that, and the measurement is there. When we get to the New Testament, it's this is grace, and grace is, is complete. It's all there for you. And so you take out the tape measure, but you then use the canon to see what's being said. If your pastor says, listen, it's really important that you wear pink wigs, you know, you look up, pink wigs. Nah, I can't seem to find it. What can I find? Well, we shouldn't get puffed up in our outward appearance. Well, this is how I'm measuring what you're saying. So you take what your pastor says and you challenge that when you think the Holy Spirit whispers to you, you know, there's something difficult about this. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Might be difficult, you might be being challenged, but it might be wrong too. So you have, that, you have that same tape measure in your Bible. And that's how you tell, Henry, if you are on the same boat as a Latter-day Saint, because here's what. The Latter-day Saints don't have the measuring stick. They have living apostles and prophets who can say, this is no longer good. That measurement is no longer good. We say, and they trump canon, the word of God. And so that's one way that you can do it. He goes, you, he adds, also, how do we know our pastors aren't using all our money for their own pleasures like some of those on TV? How can we trust our pastors and our authorities? How do we know Jesus didn't have the same intentions as Joseph? Um, you, it, it, I mean, that's a really big question. It seems like, wow, that's a home run, but really, it's not. You look at the life of Christ, you look at what he did and why he did it, and you compare it to the life of Joseph Smith, and you can see why Joseph did the things he did. You can see it plainly in the uh, actions he took, the teachings he taught, and then you look at Christ 
who did all those things and then who died and had 500 plus witnesses attest to his resurrection. Joseph Smith, still in the grave as far as I know. Any of these leaders, still in the grave. The only one who's not, Christ Jesus. So we have those things how we can tell in a reasonable way. I hope that helps. Uh, all right, listen, I'm gonna wrap it up with this. Um, the, the thought on unconditional love, I believe in it. I wanna walk in it and it is difficult. Uh, cannot tell you how amazed I am at the unconditional love of people. And um, it means the world to uh, me, but it means even far a billion trillion times more to our God. And that is when people who offend us and hurt us uh, that we love in spite of that. And I've been on the recipient end from that in many different ways over the past seven years, really. But especially this past year, I've been the recipient of unconditional love from my wife for um, uh, since we've been married. And uh, without that, uh, you would see me on the front page of the post office looking for a wanted man. Uh, she has uh, really given her all to stay by my side through stuff you guys have no idea about, or you might know on the internet. Uh, but, you know, and it's that that we exude and we extend to each other. And we do it uh, when we're failing. And we do it when someone's off. And we do it when someone is on. We do it when they're a hero. And we do it when they're a bum. And that is what makes Christianity so beautiful. I am grateful to be uh, a Christian. I am grateful to be to call myself a Christian in the sense of I follow our Lord and Savior. And um, I just pray for your continued blessings, your continued prayers on behalf of the ministry, and pray that we can move forward and help bring the Mormon church to its doctrinal knees and help bring them to understand that there is a true and living God who does not operate necessarily through any certain specific one religion, but he draws to individual hearts. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Hold me to the shepherds of